The Star Jelly Files, Episode 21, Altarians and Bigfoot. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Jelly Files. This week's letter is a bit different than the others. A few episodes ago, we shared a letter from me, Astra, about how there are some galactic community members who are making their way towards Earth, while others are working with the beacons to stop the chaos that Chester is intent on causing. Often, when humans think of aliens visiting Earth, the images that pop into their minds are those of the action movies on their planet and the destruction that follows. So Opal and I thought it might be a good idea to share a letter from her to share a different perspective. We also thought it might be time to loop you in about the reality that members of the galactic community have been visiting Earth for a while, but not necessarily to visit humans. This letter was hand-delivered to me by Opal, but being a lover of tradition and holiday decorations, she delivered me a letter written on soft orange paper and stored in a red glitter-covered jar. Opal's letter is about her first meeting with the Altarians and their visit with the local Bigfoot community. I imagine that many believe that aliens and Bigfoot can't exist in the same story or life adventure. One belongs to books about fantasy and the other to science fiction. But that is a human perspective. In the greater universe, Bigfoot is very much a part of the galactic community, more so than humans are right now. They often visit others who travel the stars, and occasionally others come to Earth to visit and work with them. They are aware of what is going on with the beacons, aware about what Chester is doing, and it is probably time we introduce them before we talk about their impact on the larger story. Letter from Opal about her first meeting with the Altarians and her visit to the Bigfoot Village. Hello, Astra. As we discussed, it is probably time that I share a story that contains a little bit about space, a little bit about Earth, and a little bit about Earth that humans have forgotten or ignored. It's probably time that I shared a story that shows a part of Earth and space that often reach into each other's worlds. This story is about me meeting two types of beings that I never had before, although now we both know they are very involved in the shifting of the universe in the larger story that is playing out. I didn't know how large of a part they would have in everything else that was to happen. Not back then. In a previous letter, I discussed my experience with the Roswell crash and witnessing that historical event. Soon after my experiences with the Roswell crash, Bert began letting me help with more interesting assignments. This meant a couple of things. The first is that I got to meet lots of new beings that I had never even heard of. The second is that she would let me travel on my own sometimes to complete certain assignments. Granted, she never let me actually leave Earth, at least in the beginning, but she let me work with beings who would visit. This story is about one of those days. Bert was busy with greater happenings in the universe when she received a request from someone to escort some visitors to a specific place in New England. Our visitors wanted to travel to the Berkshire Mountains in western Massachusetts. Seeing as I had spent so much of my life in New England, she volunteered me to help out. When she first described where I was going to travel, I was surprised. I had never considered most of Massachusetts to be a particularly paranormal location. I had always assumed most of the things of that nature existed in the deeper woods of Vermont or Maine. I was wrong. Bert explained to me that our visitors often stopped by with the request to travel there. Our visitors were beings from an Earth-like planet with many more mountains than we have, and who have been traveling the stars for millennia. Their planet circles the star Altair, which is part of the Aquila constellation. 
Their envoy was planning to visit so that they could meet with the local Bigfoot population to discuss their latest discoveries with regards to energetic healing in Ascension. If Bert had spoken that sentence to me five years before Roswell, I would have had no idea what she was talking about. But by then, I had started to understand more about what else is out there and what else there is about Earth that most people don't talk about or want to understand. At least in our modern day. So I didn't hesitate to say yes to the request. I thought it would be fascinating to discuss space with the Altarians and energy healing with Bigfoot. The Altarians arrived the same evening that their request was sent to Bert, so I did not have a whole lot of time to research beforehand or ask Bert a bunch of questions. I think Bert probably set that up intentionally. I have found that research on Earth often leaves me with more questions than answers. Asking my visitors questions in person was more likely to get me the answers I was really looking for anyway. That is not to say that Earth does not have information to learn. It is just that the research that has been done and written about here is from the human perspective. I was and am interested in learning about the human perspective and the galactic community perspective. A good example of this is the history of Bigfoot. Many Earth books and media talks about Bigfoot as a wild beast that defends its territory, which, to be fair, is what they want humans to think of them. But after meeting them, there is far more to their story. I met the Altarians off one of the trails that wander the Berkshire Mountains. I pushed my way off the path and into a dense gathering of maple trees. It was the end of September, and many of the trees had already donned their fall colors. The forest was a spectacle of red, orange, and yellow leaves. The forest floor was luckily not covered with those leaves yet. Most of my steps were silent, as there were no crunchy leaves to step on. It was getting close to dark. I had avoided other hikers and was alone as I pushed forward. I arrived at the meeting place relatively quickly. I had learned about hiking at a young age and was adept at traveling the woods, especially if it was one I was familiar with. Our meeting place was on the bank of one of the wandering rivers in that area. I stood, waiting with anticipation for my guests to arrive, watching as the water rushed across the rocks and the stars began to wink across the sky. Bert had said they would not be landing their ship. They are much too large to land in that area, but instead would be transporting down. In my head, I envisioned a column of light blasting down from the sky as one would see on a book cover, and that would light up everything as if it was daylight. I was surprised when they arrived instead as five floating green balls of light. They floated down from the stars, through the trees, and stopped to float above the water, greeting me telepathically and asking if it was safe to land. Part of me wondered why they weren't worried about being seen in their light form. But as I have aged, I realize that humans are more likely to explain away lights and happenings in the sky than they are a physical being standing in front of them. They may wonder what the lights are, but most will ignore them in the end. I told them that we were alone and safe to continue on our journey. They materialized on the shore of the river next to me. The Altarians, for the most part, look human. Their world, after all, is a humanoid world. There are many humanoid worlds in the universe. Yet, as always, there are some subtle and not-so-subtle differences. Their facial structures and physical stature were familiar to me. Their skin tones were a range of colors, blues, reds, purples, and greens. Their hair had some type of luminescence. It glowed in the night and pulsed as if it had an energy source. They looked human, but not human. I greeted them and exchanged names. It turns out that they were excited to meet me as I was them. They had, for many years, since the 1890s, been working up to introducing themselves to humans. They wanted in the future to announce their existence and get to know us. Meeting me was good practice for this. 
Although in the end, their plan to introduce themselves to Earth didn't work. But that is a story for another day. After our introductions, we made our way through the forest, the Altarians in the lead, towards the village. We talked about the stars, about their world, and about my own life. I told them about what it was like to grow up human and like to travel Earth. They wanted to know all about my favorite things and what I had experienced during my life. They told me about their society, a large and thriving planet that spent most of their time helping other worlds with their projects. They were an old world that enjoyed traveling the stars. Staying home was not something they often wanted to do unless they had something new to explore. They were often ambassadors between worlds and specialized in bringing young worlds into the galactic community. We also talked about how they were helping to build healing centers on some newer planets, and how they were hoping to bring the Bigfoot community on board for that project. Healing was a newer concept to me at the time, although not a new concept on Earth. I understood about Earth medicine, at least the medicine I had experienced thus far in life. Doctors and nurses treating humans with science to make them feel better. I had also heard about and read about energy healing from other parts of the world, such as Reiki and atonements with regards to meditation but I had never heard someone talk about healing as they did. They talked about the marriage of your soul with your energy and how they vibrate and sing to create who you are, how life and the energy of your world can cause those vibrations to fall out of sync, can drag you down and make you feel heavy or lost, and how the Bigfoot swarm of energy healing helped to clear all of that up. It was a step beyond the energy healing most humans use, they said, but they also said humans would start to rediscover ascension healing on that level someday. We had known about it during the first age of humans. Not the age our scientists discuss, but the first time beings lived on our world before the time of Atlantis. That was a surprise to me. To hear that the knowledge we were seeking that night was known and then lost to our world. And that Bigfoot still remembered. That meant to me that humans had known Bigfoot far better in the past than we did then, and do now. We spent most of our journey talking about their travels. It wasn't until I started to hear quiet footsteps behind me that I realized we were getting close to our destination. The Altarians told me not to turn around. I wouldn't be able to see them anyway. They were our escorts to ensure we stayed safe as we wandered deep into the woods. That they would reveal themselves to us when they were ready. I learned in that moment that the Bigfoot community members were invisible when they wanted to be. I learned later that it was through a form of chameleon-like camouflage. Unlike most human lore, they did not growl, throw rocks, howl, or chase us. But I imagine that was because we were invited, not uninvited guests that could be threatening their safety and the safety of their families. We reached a part of the woods that was stunningly quiet. We stood in the clearing that was at the center of a circle of tall pine trees. It is funny to think back to that moment now, because of how similar that space looked to all of the circular sky pictures humans paint and create now. A dark circle of trees with a clear view up to the stars and nothing else. We waited, and eventually, the first member of the Bigfoot community I had ever met stepped out from the trees. They look similar to how we draw them. Seven to eight feet tall beings covered from head to toe with a spectrum of hair, ranging much like human hair from a light blonde to a dark black, and everything in between. Their faces are more human than we depict. Their eyes, nose, and mouths are similar to ours, but their faces are longer. The first one I met, who goes by the name Rose, wore flowing black woven pants, a shirt made of the same material that fell to her wrists, and a light blue pendant necklace that glowed softly in the night. She smiled at us and stepped forward lightly to shake our hands in welcome, a gesture they acquired from the human world and decided to keep. 
The rest of her companions stepped out of the trees soon after, all tall, all wearing the same flowing woven clothing, but in a variety of colors. All of them were excited to meet with us. A few gave me a sideways glance as they were unsure how a human had gotten there, but since I was with the Altarians, they welcomed me warmly. They spoke telepathically. I found out that their kind evolved away from physical speaking long ago, finding it more efficient to speak mind to mind. After a round of introductions, we walked the rest of the way towards their village. Their word, not mine. I would have called it a city. As it turned out, the Circle of Pines was the gateway to their world that existed on Earth, but didn't. Rose placed her hand upon one of the trees and it opened a door into another world. A door that existed, but didn't. If they were not with us, we could have walked right through those trees and never bumped into it. Their presence activated it. They live on a parallel plane to humans. On Earth, but not. They, for lack of a better description, are our next-door neighbors. The door opened and showed us a stone pathway that led deeper into the woods. Well, a different woods, actually. It was lined with futuristic blue lanterns and a great many buildings that made up their world. Some small, some having many levels to them. They love to use natural construction when they can. There were signs that pointed in different directions in a language I couldn't read. But as I looked around, I could see outdoor food markets and restaurants. More official-looking buildings with different emblems above their doors, and homes alight with life and small children running around. There were no vehicles that I could see. Everyone traveled on foot to get where they were going. There were other alien beings there as well, other visitors that had been living there to learn from the Bigfoot community. I could have stayed there for years and learned about not only the parts of Earth that remain unseen, but a great many other worlds. We didn't explore a lot, though. We traveled straight to one of their healing centers. The Altarians did not have a lot of time to stay, and that was why we were there, after all. We traveled a few winding pathways that eventually led us not to the center of the village, as you might expect, but to the edge of the village where there was few buildings and beings. It was a quiet space away from the sounds and action of the rest of the village. There was also no building, as I expected, but instead a clearing of land surrounded by trees. There were no hospital beds or examination rooms, but large green ceramic bowls that were set in the ground so that the tops of each sat at ground level. It was like looking at a dozen or so small swimming pools in the middle of a forest. They were equally spaced and arranged in a circle. Some were occupied and had healers at their edges working with a patient. We walked up to an unoccupied healing station, and I was surprised to see that they did not contain water, but something heavier. They allowed each of us to reach our hands in and feel the liquid inside one of the pools. It was dense and liquid at the same time, like holding water in your hand that turns solid when you compress it. I learned later in life that humans call this a non-Newtonian fluid, or oobleck, something that is a solid and liquid at the same time. I don't know what it was made of, but the Bigfoot healers used it to change the vibrational frequencies of light and the energy in someone's body. They would place a patient in the pool and then manipulate vibrations through the oobleck, which then affected the patient on the physical and soul level. The Altarians wanted a demonstration, and Rose happily agreed. She asked me if I wanted to go through a healing session so that they could demonstrate and the Altarians could learn. I said yes. It was one of the most interesting experiences of my life, even now. It felt like I was encased in a warm hug when I stepped into the pool and the energy healing took me out of my mind into another place altogether. It was like astral projection and meditation combined. Stepping out of my body and feeling the vibrations of the universe flow through me and around me like music. For the first time, I saw myself as something more than human. Could see my energy as part of the greater web of the universe.
Again, though, that is a story for another day. The Altarians took their notes, we stayed for dinner, and I got the chance to ask Rose questions about her world. She was, and still is, the leader of the village, and was happy to talk to me. I learned about how her community spends most of their time learning about energy, in the universe, and healing, how they write research and share it with other worlds, and how they are a study space for all beings that want to learn more. Their village is built to welcome those who want to learn. They also hope someday they can reunite with the human world as peers and friends. She still hopes for that today. I visit her often and attend healing treatments when I am there. We both think the time is coming soon. Not only for humans to meet Bigfoot again, but for us to meet the Altarians too. As we see the shifting in the universe, that time is probably coming more quickly than we thought it would. Especially if Chester has anything to say about it. Opal. It should come as no surprise. I think Opal is right, as usual. I am on my way to pick up Opal, Bert, and Hum now. I'm also on my way to rescue, well, not rescue, maybe retrieve, Vi, Lincoln, Fall. I know there is still a lot of information I should share. Stories I should tell. I know I have been hiding things. But it was important to start here to open the galaxy a little further and show a few connections. Next week, we can talk about how it all starts to fit together, and maybe even how I plan to stop Chester. Tune in next week for another episode of The Star Jelly Files. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Star Jelly Files podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you are having a great day. The Star Jelly Files is written, produced, voice acted, and created by me, Elizabeth Hamblett. If you would like to support the podcast and gain access to bonus content, check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash starjellyfiles. If you would like to learn more about the podcast or visit our merch store, check us out at www.starjellyfiles.com. The links are also in the description.